let him who has no sin cast the first stone. And they all leave, but it says from the oldest to the youngest. And it's the ones who've been around a while who caught on first. And I wonder if in a similar way, among the lepers, it was the one of them who most felt like an outsider, the one most likely to sense their unworthiness that turned to say thank you. I'm convinced that when Paul writes this letter to the Philippians and tries to get them to remember, to rejoice, to be full of joy, to see the good in what's going on in the world, it's easy for him to do it because he says in almost every letter, I will never forget who I was and who I am now because of what Christ made me. You're listening to Life on the West Side. Here's Nathan Guy. I heard a story years ago that took place in Dallas, Texas. It was a very hot summer day. The needle was reaching up to 105 degrees. And they said that because of other reasons, it felt hotter than that. A woman had stopped her car in front of a place that she usually works and had planned to go in to get a paycheck that she had forgot to pick up. She turned her car off and ran inside and left her baby in the back. When she came back out from getting her paycheck, she noticed that she had locked her keys in the car. She ran away. I'm not certain if she was running to try to get a second pair of keys at her house or what had happened. But onlookers walked by and noticed a baby in a hot car on a hot day and the doors locked. People showed concern. They didn't see anyone standing around. They tried to find some way to jimmy the locks. They couldn't. Finally, an off-duty retired fireman grabbed an axe from the back of his car broke the back window, and pulled the baby out. Doctors said that he had saved the baby in just the nick of time. And the way I was told the story, when the mother heard the news, she sued the man for breaking her window. When I was in high school, my high school Bible teacher and hero and mentor extraordinaire told a story in chapel that I will never forget. It was 25 years ago. Maybe more. Who's counting? He said, I, he said, uh, when he was in school, years before that, he had heard a story in chapel that he would never forget. The man got up and said that I attended the University of uh, Alabama, and it was only because of the generosity of my mother, who was a single mother, the kind of woman who didn't have much, as you can imagine, the kind of woman with two dresses in her closet, a summer dress and a winter dress, who worked and worked and worked to help her child achieve his dreams. All he wanted to do was to go to the University of Alabama. But when you think about things like room and board and travel and food and cost, it 
It costs some money. And so she took two jobs. She was working during the day and she was working during the night. She got enough to help him along with his scholarships to get him in for one semester. She didn't reply much whenever he would write. She didn't have much time because what he didn't know is that she had taken a third job to try to make sure that she could stay there. After four years, he graduated, invited her to come. She saved and saved and saved to get enough money to get on a Greyhound bus. And she got out of her two dresses, the nicer looking one, and got on the Greyhound bus and she was there. She arrived a little late. She looked and saw how everybody was dressed to the nines. And she kind of stood back in the shadows a little bit and watched as her son crossed the stage, tears in her eyes. When it was all over, there were lots of parents talking with their children, and she was looking for her son and couldn't find him. After a while, she saw him way over in the corner saying, psst, 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 over here. She came over, overjoyed, hadn't seen him in a while. And her son looked at her and said, Mom, I'm really glad you're here. But you really could have dressed up better for this occasion. In fact, kind of embarrassed. So maybe we'll just hang out over here. I don't want my friends to see you. And that speaker, speaking in a chapel, 50 years before my, my friend spoke in chapel 25 years ago, remembering the story, said, I was that boy. And I will never forget the look on my mother's face. And I deserved every bit of that look. And it haunts me to this day. You know, Paul talks about gratitude. And gratitude is really one of the most natural, virtuous expressions we have. Uh, I was watching a movie not that long ago about somebody who said, you know, I can't help when I look at the universe and I look at the world, I just have this deep sense of gratitude. It's just natural. What can keep us from something as simple as the thank yous and the blessing, counting our blessings? It can be simple things. In the book of Philippians, Paul is thinking through some of those things, simple things. You know, one of the things that can keep us from offering gratitude is just busyness. We can get so wrapped up in the things we're doing that we just don't take the time to stop and count our blessings. And Paul doesn't say these words, but if you read between the lines, you get the impression. He says, well, why don't you try prison? You know, Paul is in prison when he writes the letter. And he's writing about joy, joy, joy. And he says to the church, isn't it great? that you are going through some severe trials right now because it means you have been given the same gift I've been given, the gift to suffer with Christ. And I wonder if Paul is hinting at, I'm not too busy. I have plenty of time on my hands to think about the blessings God has given me. It's how he can write a letter full of joy from a prison cell. There's no distractions, no busyness. Just thinking about what God's done. Another thing that can keep us from gratitude, thanksgiving, 
is that we can get so focused on the negative. It's easy to do. It is easy to do. We can start naming things that aren't going right in our body, at our house, in our neighborhood, in our state, in our world. And before you know it, we're just counting all the negatives. And Paul says, from a prison cell, writing to this church, he says, whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's anything virtuous, there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. And whatever you've seen in me, put that into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Busyness, negativity, they can block it. I think a third thing that can rob us of the simple and natural gift we can give others of gratitude is a lack of awareness about just who we used to be and who we are now. Remember that story in Luke chapter 17 where Jesus cleanses the 10 lepers? I thought I knew that story by heart, but I didn't. Because the way I remember it is that there were these 10 lepers. Jesus heals them. They run away. One of them comes back and says, thank you. Is that how you remember it? Text tells us more than that. Remember, Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests, and on their way, they realize they're healed. I don't know if that was part of the larger story he wanted them to come to realize or not, but sometimes if you're standing right there and the healer heals you, it's pretty obvious to say thank you. But on their way, they realize they're healed. It requires calling to mind where you used to be. The second thing it says is that the one who came back to say thank you was a Samaritan. You know, it's already bad enough to be a leper. Lepers were on the outskirts of town. There were leper uh, colony areas. There were uh, areas by the caves where the lepers would live. And you had to be kept out of the norm if you were a leper. And so it's already a sign of social anxiety. You could only hang out with other lepers. But what if you had insult to injury, and even among the lepers, you were persona non grata? What if even lepers said, you know, I'd rather be around Jewish lepers, thank you very much. He was a Samaritan. It might be that extra bit of lowest of the lowest of the low. It kind of reminds me of when you have all those uh, people surrounding the woman caught in the very act of adultery, and they've all got stones in their hand, and Jesus says, let him who has no sin cast the first stone, and they all leave, but it says, from the oldest to the youngest. And it's the ones who've been around a while who caught on first. And I wonder if in a similar way, among the lepers, it was the one of them who most felt like an outsider the one most likely to sense their unworthiness that turned to say thank you. I'm convinced that when Paul writes this letter to the Philippians and tries to get them to remember, to rejoice, 
to be full of joy, to see the good in what's going on in the world. It's easy for him to do it because he says in almost every letter, I will never forget who I was and who I am now because of what Christ made me. I want to say thank you. The very beginning of Philippians, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Katie and Grace and I have only been here a few months, but we've already got a laundry list of thank yous to give because of what you've done for us. Sometimes it's been in obvious ways. The meals somebody brought to the house, the people have stopped by to say hello, the kind encouragement cards, the emails, the thoughtful gestures. Those are so grateful and we're thankful. But also in ways you may not even have noticed. I uh, remember the very first sermon I preached here was about encouraging us to get our focus, our center on Christ and Him crucified. Let that alone be what guides our thinking. I went to the men's prayer group that meets on Tuesday morning after that. Charles had changed the language on the sheet that all the men go by know what to pray for. And in the section where it talks about praying for needs of the church, the language said, pray that we may make Christ crucified our only goal. For a preacher, to see an older, retired, wiser preacher put into practice something you've said, just means the world. We've had examples where people have covered our mistakes so nobody else knew. And it was our mistake. We've had examples uh, to follow. We've heard stories here. I've already heard stories here where people talk about the love they have for their spouse and for their children and the kind of lives they want to live. And I've thought, I want grace to be around people like that. And I want to say thank you. You don't know what good you do. You don't know all the people you touch. You don't know all the ways in which you reach folks, but you do. In ways you know it and in ways you don't. And I want to say thank you. I thank my God for this church. I thank my God for every elder, for the deacons, for the people who clean the building, for the people who put things together behind the scenes, for the prayers that go up, for the concern for my family, for the focus on the gospel the good we want to do in this community, I thank you. I want you to know that whatever happens to you this week, no matter what happens with the stock market, no matter what happens in your neighborhood, no matter what you hear on the news, Jesus Christ died for you. He is king of the universe. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. His spirit is at work in you. He won't finish until he brings it to completion on the day when Christ comes back. And my God, every day in every way, is fighting for you. Let that be the encouragement in every way possible to see the good and to thank God for what he's done. Let's pray. 
God, we love you. We praise your name. We thank you for the way you love us. We thank you for this church. We thank you for its leaders. We thank you for all the servants that serve here. God, we ask you to give us hearts of gratitude. To show love and honor. Not just to those that we see give to us. But to those you put in our path to whom we can give the gift of blessing. That pours out because of the love that you show us. God, help us to be grateful to the sweet people who wait on us at the restaurants and at the store. Lord, help us to be grateful to the people who put our children in our cars at the school line. Help us to be grateful to the people that pick up our trash. Help us to be grateful for the people that serve in leadership positions. Help us to show gratitude to our spouses when they do things that we've gotten so used to that we forget to say thank you. God, show us opportunities to be grateful for the beauty and the majesty that we see around us all the time because of your creative wonder. And God, we want to say thank you for your indescribable gift in giving us your son, our hope, our future, and the joy in the present. Thanks for joining. No one has ever loved you like Jesus Christ. I hope you feel that love in every sermon that's preached on this podcast. You can find more sermons, transcripts, study guides at nathanguide.com. Please stay tuned for another lesson and rest in the love of Christ.